Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I seek refuge with Allah from Satan the accursed. In the name of Allah, the gracious and the merciful. Peace be upon you. Good morning. And welcome to the breakfast of the voice of Islam with Imam Tukkeet and me and myself, Walid Ahmed. Uh, the time is just approaching three minutes past seven. It's Friday, the 11th of August, 2023. We have uh, another very packed program this morning uh, for our listeners on the breakfast show. Um, the breakfast show is an interactive broadcast. It means that our listeners have the opportunity, should they wish to avail it, uh, to call in and share their thoughts and views and opinions on any of the uh, matters we may be discussing during the next uh, two hours or so. Um, the number to dial is 0208-687-7878 or you can tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, in a few minutes' time, we'll bring in with the rundown of the weather before going on to uh, examine some of the news stories that uh, are featuring both within the Amdi Muslim community and uh, in the wider media. Uh, won't be spending too much time on this, but we'll try and rattle through as many as possible during the uh, first half hour of this program. And as mentioned, if you want to take part in any of the discussions, uh, you're most welcome to do so. The uh, number to dial is 208 and you can tweet us if you want at Voice of Islam UK. Uh, those familiar with this uh, broadcast uh, every morning, uh, well, every weekday morning, 7 to 9, would know that uh, we hone in on two uh, particular topics that we dwell uh, more on. Uh, we spend more time in discussing them. So this morning, the first uh, of our uh, topics is going to be uh, looking at the issue of the damaging effects of loneliness. And the topic that uh, we have decided to look uh, at is uh, how loneliness can affect brain function. And we spoke to Lina Mukherjee on this, um, or aspects of this, should I say. So we'll be sharing uh, what she had to say later in the course of this program. Uh, Lena works for the British Association for Counseling and Psychotherapy, BACP for short, uh, and uh, has been described as a psychoeducator, media commentator, and storyteller who entertains and enriches learning. Uh, so that's uh, an interview that uh, we will be able to share uh, in the first part on the first hour of this uh, program. So if you're interested in this particular topic, do make sure that you are tuned in, uh, you remain tuned in between 7.30 and 8.15 when we'll be addressing that particular subject about uh, how loneliness can affect brain function. The second uh, of our main topic, uh, we'll start exploring this in about a quarter past eight, is regarding... Um, well, exploring the marvelous world of bees. And the title of this uh, particular topic is Honeybees Make Rapid, Accurate Decisions and Could Inspire Future of a uh, I Study uh, Suggests. So that's uh, the, the topic. Uh, and uh, we'll be hoping to be joined by a few experts 
If not, then we hope that our listeners will uh, fill the gap by calling in and sharing their thoughts on the topic. Uh, as far as the experts are concerned, we will be joined by Tosif Khan. Uh, he has been on the program before, an expert on bee, on honeybees and bee behavior. Bee, bee, bee behavior. Uh, he's a senior research associate at the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Toronto. And uh, we'll also be hoping to be joined by Abdul Hadi Masood. He's a missionary of the <coughs> missionary of the Amdi Muslim community. So we hope to uh, uh, glean something from him, certainly from the religious angle as to what this particular topic has to offer. And as always, uh, we will also uh, be receiving uh, the Islamic view and the Islamic um, understanding of everything that we are going to be discussing from our res- resident Imam Toki Tanvir Khan, uh, he'll also be kicking off uh, us off with the first segment of the show, which is the weather and the news. So it's over to you, Imam Tokir. Salaam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Hope everyone's having a lovely morning. Uh, yes, as you mentioned, Brother Walid, I'll start off with the weather. And the further forecast this morning is that uh, today, cooler today with a mix of cloud and uh, occasional sunny breaks and uh, largely dry in the morning uh, but uh, old shower may develop in the afternoon and cloud will eventually clear south eastwards in the evening and the forecast for tonight um, it will stay dry with mostly clear skies and bands of light cloud drifting by a slight cooler night with a light to gentle south Westerly breeze. So that's the forecast. Uh, yesterday was, um, I, th- I think, really, really good weather. Uh, yeah, I'm told it's the warmest day we've had so far. Yeah. Mm. You think that's uh, may- maybe an exaggeration? I, I think that's a slight exaggeration. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but it was definitely warm. I I think in August definitely this uh-huh. that has been the warmest. Um, in July we did we did get some very hot days. Did we? Okay, I don't remember them. Uh, I remember rain mostly, mostly uh, very odd weather. But maybe I think uh, what happened at the uh, Delta is perhaps uh, dominating my. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Yeah, um, I, I think it's uh, it's good to see a bit of sun, um, especially yes. especially we have the last uh, month or so of summer left, so uh, mm. it'd be good to see a bit more sunshine uh, before uh, you know the s- summer does let us go. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. But uh, yeah. we'll we'll see we'll see how things go. Yes. Any any plans for you? Um, as you know, it is the summer holidays nowadays <laughs> for the children. Any any sort of plans you? You've no, I'm um, unfortunately I'm I'm very much criticised by my family for being very boring <laughs> in that in that direction. Um, I'm not one prone to take uh, holidays. Oh uh, wow! You know, um, that's not my thing. Unfortunately, I don't find anything. Um, in it, so that's uh, one of my failings, I suppose. Maybe just uh, tea and biscuits in the afternoon, really, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah. just to wind the person down. That's <laughs> right. Yes, have the news channel on, uh, or MDA, and uh, yes, sitting on the couch the, uh, with tea and biscuits. Yes, there was a documentary I saw on uh, uh, MTA on our MDA Muslim television, and it was covering some of the pioneers of the 
of UK and I think oh. you were in in the in the that documentary as well. I've heard that there has been a documentary. I haven't seen it. <laughs> <laughs> has it been banned? <laughs> so you you're not really sure which documentary it was. Yes, no, I, I know there's a documentary circulating. One or two people have mentioned mm, this. Mm. Uh, but uh, I haven't I haven't seen it and uh, it'll be interesting to see what they've said. Yeah, no, definitely. I'll, I'll share uh-huh. the link. I, okay. I haven't been uh, fortunate enough to see it, actually, but uh, I'll definitely share the link okay. with you. Okay, you haven't been able to see it, it either. <laughs> <laughs> I think I was just uh, flicking through some of the, on on the YouTube, uh-huh. and uh, I think I almost saw saw you on, on there as All well, right. the documentary. Uh, okay. But I, I didn't get a chance to see, unfortunately, uh-huh. but I, I will definitely do that. Okay. All right. So fame at last, then, uh, Imam Takir. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no they, you know what they say, old is gold. Old is so, gold. <laughs> um, yes. Yes, they say a lot of things about old. Some <laughs> old people, some, some of it is good, some of it is not so good. Uh, but anyway, um, what's uh, happening yeah, uh, have you been uh, following the women's FIFA World Cup? Uh, <laughs> no, not so, not so much. Um, I've heard um, uh, that Brazil got knocked out, and I know that uh, England got through, although yeah. they didn't play well against Nigeria. Yeah, that's correct. So, but um, I haven't been following it like I would have followed the. Yeah. Um, the men's, men's, yeah, men's World Cup, yeah. Because there, a lot of time we were able to waste watching matches. Yeah. 90 minutes long. Now matches are going to be longer now, aren't they? Because uh, uh, apparently uh, there has been a ruling, certainly for the Premiership, that um, the uh, amount of time that has been spent on uh, on uh, free kicks and mm. uh, penalties mm. and... Uh, um, substitutions that they're going to be added, and therefore we're going to have matches something like uh, ninety or hundred minutes, oh, not ninety but a hundred minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, England did win in the uh-huh. round of sixteen against Nigeria, and the match went into penalties. And uh, this is where England had uh, came victorious, and uh, well, they were down to ten men actually. Yeah. Um, Oh, no, ten women. <laughs> Otherwise, there would be a scandal, wouldn't there? If there were ten men, that could actually be the joke of the day. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so the 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 quarterfinals have taken place uh, mm. uh, because, as our listeners uh, would know as well, the all of the matches uh, they are happening in in Australia and uh, New Zealand. So quarterfinals have taken place and uh, the the first match which took place today was Spain versus um, uh, Netherlands and uh, Spain had dominated and the next uh, match will be between Japan and Sweden so uh, Mm -hmm. that is going to be taking place at 8.30 so uh, if anyone (laughs) is interested they can tune (laughs) into that (laughs) Mm. Um, but the main match for us us here at home is uh, England will be playing Colombia tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's something to look forward to. So let's let's see what happens. Mm. Uh, hopefully, it, it might be coming home this year. Oh, okay. Well, as far as the women's uh, cup is concerned, but the men are still uh, still way behind on the 
They can reach the quarterfinals, don't get much further than that. Anyway. Absolutely. So, uh, I understand there's some uh, istamas going on uh, in the community soon. Uh, Preparations for now? Uh, so, within the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association, there will be the annual uh, youth association uh, gathering, which will be taking place in, uh, in late September, um, early October. So, okay. I, I believe the dates are... Uh, I do need to just confirm on them. I think the dates are the 28th, 29th, uh-huh. and... Uh, that's that so probably, yes, yeah, so it's so September, is it? Yeah, so, so yeah. sorry, it's 29th, 30th, and 1st of October. These are the dates okay. which have been confirmed for the uh, annual Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association yeah. annual gathering. So, um, so the elders are going to do it on the 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's what I remember. Okay, okay. Of October. Oh, okay. So that, yeah, it so... Uh, it's the week after, it's the weekend after mm, uh, mm. the youth have their event. So, so I, I believe a lot of the sub gatherings which have been taking places from uh, from the elders association, I believe, right? Mm. The the ishtamas uh, yes. which have been. So the elders associations their event is going to be taking place here at Bethlehem. Oh, okay, 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 interesting. But. I think the youth, because of their numbers, yeah. uh, will need to... I don't know what the venue is going to be. Is it going to be the country market again? or uh, Most uh, most likely it will be uh, either the country market or uh, you know place nearby. Uh, uh-huh. So last year it wasn't country market, but there was another place they had bought very close to the country market. Uh-huh. Um, so you know the, the annual gathering had taken place there. So yeah, let's see. I mean, because it's going to be late September, October, it, I think one thing which would come, a question would arise as well, is the, the weather, yeah. if it will have an effect on the... On on the you know the conditions mm, as well because mm. it all happens in a farm area mm. so it can get muddy as well so yeah. um, let's see I'm I'm not exactly too sure right. where it will be happening but uh, okay would you be taking part in any of the competitions uh, so th- this year uh, I'm fortunate enough to be uh, serving in the academics uh, department oh. so. Uh, I will be very fortunate enough to be part of the, uh, the the committee which will be looking after a lot of these youth who will be coming, they will be participating in reading the portions of the Holy Quran uh-huh. there will be prepared speech competitions um, in Urdu and in English, there will be quiz, there will be um, various competitions which will be taking place so uh-huh. I'll be mainly be busy with that, so okay. do request the listeners' prayers from the listeners as well that uh, uh-huh. it will be successful as well because you don't want to, you don't, you know, you don't want to. <laughs> if you're not doing a good job, everyone knows. <laughs> That's how it is with these things. If yes. if uh, if the food is not good, everyone will complain. Uh, yes, mm. but if it's good, if it's okay, then uh, yes. Um, uh, everyone is happy everyone is happy but peop- uh, people hardly say anything about it <laughs> huh? they expect it <laughs> they expect it mm. yes okay let's hope that uh, you know that's a successful event uh, I'm sure you'll do well uh, you're not going to be making any speeches yourself hmm? uh, not this time not this time I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be the I'll be part of the spectators the <laughs> okay. listening listening to the speeches mm-hmm. right okay 
maybe in the future sometime <laughs> right <laughs> who knows <laughs> and uh, our listeners would have heard it first here <laughs> about uh, the prediction uh, of uh, of the future eh? inshallah eh? anyway um um i suppose uh, we still and at battle we still dealing with the uh, with the jalsa mm-hmm. rush and mm-hmm. uh, so we still have people who, who have not been able to make the way or start the journey back uh, still uh, being uh, attended to uh, so that i think uh, should clear up uh, in the next couple of weeks um, but it just goes to show how uh, much uh, work uh, needs to be expended when it comes to what is in the end a three day event but uh, both in terms of its preparation and in terms of what needs has to be done afterwards uh, there's several several months involved um, and a lot of people a lot of volunteers uh, give a lot of their spare time uh, and uh, effort in order to cater for for the needs of uh, uh, the jalsa as a whole and particularly about uh, our uh, our guests that have come so Absolutely. Mm. Uh, uh, th- there was this one very interesting article on um, a review of religion, um, and it's on uh, you know the Argentina in favor of interfaith dialogue. Uh, so not only you know we had uh, uh, members of the community, there were very esteemed guests that had come to the uh, annual Jalsa Salana as well. And in order to promote this uh, event. Uh, an interfaith event actually had taken place on the 2nd of August and this was hosted by the ambassador of Argentina in United Kingdom and uh, it was the final event in the series of events that had taken place during uh, and after the annual convention held in England and the meeting which took place at the Argentinian embassy in London held by its ambassador uh, Javier uh, was attended by prominent personalities of religious world uh, among the catholic archbishop um apostolic uh, 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 nuncio in in great britain and uh, Miguel uh, representing the catholic church and also uh, Marwan Gil the uh, imam of the Ahmadiyya muslim community in argentina uh, and chile as well as uh, imams of bolivia uruguay uh were also present from uh, the communities in latin america and uh, also present were were you know the founder of ENOC and members of Frank Stranger and Mario who work from Chile to establish bonds of friendship and union between people of different beliefs or ideas through prayer and christian teachings and also other journal- journalist personalities from argentina Bolivia and London were also pre- pre- present and the benefits of these initiatives become evident when religious leaders unite in a cordial and harmonious way in order to sow the seeds of peace and love among all human beings recalling the common teachings of the prophets and representing many similarities present in the holy books and uh, bring humanity together and reunite it uh, something vital and very much needed in the society in today's challenging and turbulent times so that's just something i i wanted to mention as well um, 
thank you. Um, um, as far as uh, other news is concerned, um, we were talking about um, old is gold, but uh, one of the problems that uh, people, as they move into uh, older age, have is uh, the uh, problem of obesity. And um, apparently there's a new drug on the scene that will help weight loss and has been welcomed by officials as a means of reducing the pressure on the NHS. Obesity is very much the cause of many an illness, uh, and it has to be said, it's not just confined to the elderly, but it, um, some, um, many younger people also suffer from this. Um, and uh, it's the cause of many illness, obesity is, uh, uh, that emerges from heart disease and diabetes. And it is thought that this drug uh, that uh, is being um, promoted uh, can reduce this by a fifth. The drug is uh, Vigovi, and uh, in a trial involving more than 17,500 overweight people, results were better than expected. Uh, the results showed that those with a history of heart disease were significantly less likely to suffer from severe cardiovascular problems, including death, over the subsequent five years compared to those on conventional treatment. So this was hailed as very good news. Steve Barclay, our health secretary, said the next generation of obesity drugs have the potential to help patients lose significant amounts of weight and reduce obesity-related conditions, helping ease pressure on the NHS and cut waiting times. And he went on to say, but it's vital that they're used alongside diet, physical activity, and wider uh, behavioral support to help minimize weight uh, regain. Uh, Martin Holst, uh, the executive president or executive vice president of Novo Nordisk, Novo Nordisk were the manufacturers of this particular wonder drug, if I can call it that way, uh, concerning weight loss. He said, people living with obesity have an increased risk of cardiovascular disease, but to date, there are no approved weight management medications proven to deliver effective weight management while also reducing the risk of heart attack, stroke, or cardiovascular death. So one can argue that uh, it's all very well to have these drugs, but uh, it's a simpler or an easier option would be to actually educate people about keeping a healthy weight. But I suppose in a free society, one has to recognize the limitations of accept, expecting results just through education. And Dr. Simon Clark, senior lecturer in physiology at the Anglia Ruskin University, pointed out that similar reductions in cardiovascular risk were unattainable for most people living with obesity through diet and exercise alone. This will not only provide significant financial savings for health bodies, but provide people with a greater quality of life. So. A multifaceted approach is what is needed to improve the nation's health, uh, is what he's saying. And a part of such a multifaceted approach is to use drugs that maintain weight loss. And it is a drug that you have to take for life, by the way, because uh, uh, this, the weight goes right back on when you st uh, stop taking this uh, this wonder drug that's supposed to help weight loss. So there are other drugs that perhaps are going to be similar drugs in the pipeline. 
and we'll see what kind of difference that makes uh, to the nation's health as we move forward. Um, now, the other big story, again, that uh, has been dominating our news screens and newspapers is uh, concerning this barge. Uh, and uh, there has been uh, this barge that has been, well, identified as a place where we can accommodate um, uh, migrants that have uh, that are trying to claim asylum and entry into this uh, entry for permanent stay into this country now there have been some delays regarding uh, populating these uh, barge uh, this particular barge it's a story about um, this is uh, what the um, government has introduced uh, to accommodate market uh, migrants who have made their way to our shores after fleeing war uh, and persecution, it seems we are content in sending huh, tanks and armaments to fuel a war in Europe where hundreds are dying without a thought about the cost. But when it comes to giving refuge to the distress, the cost of accommodating them properly on our shores becomes such an important factor. Uh, Six million pounds a day is what the Prime Minister has claimed it costs to house what he uh, regards illegal migrants, which in itself is a loaded term, uh, when um, the uh, claims of these uh, migrants have uh, not been even assessed. Um, But uh, there has been legislation that automatically counts them as illegal just for managing to make it here in the first place in the manner that they have. Such hostility against migrants uh, flies in the face, according to some, that it flies in the face of the compassionate reputation for refugees that the UK had once become known for and contrary to our common humanity. The fact that we have to hold them in the first place after arrival is due to the abysmal uh, processing system. According to a report published by the Refugee Council um, a couple of years ago, the average waiting time for an initial decision on an asylum case is likely to be between one and three years. So the overall backlog of outstanding asylum claims has grown by more than 3,000, and uh, and at the end of last month, there were um, uh, 136,000 or 137,000 claims in the asylum backlog up from 133,000 at the end of March, driven by thousands of people who crossed the channel in small boats. And the barge, well, the new site added for uh, migrant accommodation is the BB Stockholm of the, uh, off the shores of, uh, the, uh, of uh, Portland or in, in Dorset. Uh, its two MPs called the Home Office to limit the occupancy of the barge to 20, uh, almost half of the 506 uh, plan to address safety concerns. This appears to have been resolved. Uh, so far, a small number have been put on the barge, but there are a number refusing to come on, and there have been repercussions with um, certain ministers saying that if they are not happy with the march, then they should use an expletive, uh, go back to France. Um, so that's the attitude uh, that uh, has been displayed by the government and has been a cause of concern that there should be more temperate language used. And when we're talking about migrants, uh, then uh, especially those 
many of them that have come from uh, war-torn countries, then we have to be more considerate and sensitive. Uh, in total, uh, there are 58,636 uh, migrants uh, that are dispersed that are in dispersed accommodation across the UK. Uh, so that's as far as uh, this migrant uh, uh, issue is concerned. There was also, uh, just connected to that, and let me just finish off uh, this part of the show by uh, mentioning this story about uh, the Ascension Islands. And there appears to be a genuine desire for some Conservative MPs to make the UK an unattractive safe haven uh, for asylum seekers. Uh, with the Rwanda scheme faltering in the courts, a plan B is being mooted about transferring them to the Ascension Islands. The Ascension Islands, if you don't know where they are, well, they're in the middle of the Atlantic and some 4,000 miles away from Britain. Uh, the UK is a signatory. I mean, this is an uncomfortable development uh, uh, if it does take place. But because the UK is a signatory and primary mover in establishing the 1951 UN Refugee Convention, which was created after the Second World War to ensure refugees were able to find safety in other countries. And this kind of attitude of putting off refugees coming here flies against the spirit of that convention. It appears duplicitous in pretending to be the champions for refugees by endorsing this kind of conventions, but then placing all kinds of hindrances when it comes to implementing these commitments. The proposal may well or may already be dead in the water because both the Ministry of Defence and the US government, who, who use the islands as a military base, are opposed to this. And uh, friends of the British Overseas Territory, uh, which is a, uh, Overseas Territories, which is, a tar- uh, which is a charity, has rejected the proposal. And there's a quote that, if I can find it uh, from them, a brief quote, it says that um, Ascension Island is not fit for use as an asylum center, very brief, very much to the point. Uh, this being the case, we'll see what Plan C, if there is a Plan C, is drummed up for ring, uh, for uh, for us to wriggle out of our uh, commitments in terms of uh, looking after and catering for refugees that come and uh, seek uh, haven in this in this particular a safe haven in this particular country. Anyway, that's as far as uh, news in the wider media is concerned. We have to move on and examine the two main stories that uh, we want to address. And the first of these uh, is entitled How Loneliness Can Affect Brain Function. And it's a a story that uh, we uh, took up from uh, one of the websites, Psychology Today, and uh, this is what it had to say. Um, it proceeded initially to define what loneliness is, and it said that understanding loneliness helps us to think more clearly about what can be done about it. In the UK, loneliness is generally defined as, and this is a quote, a subjective and unwelcome feeling which results from a mismatch in the quality and quantity of social relationships we have and those that we desire. Yes, it's a bit of a mouthful uh, to understand and to take in uh, early in the morning. But uh, it's a subjective and unwelcome feeling which results uh, from a mismatch in the quantity and uh, quality of social relationships we have 
and those that we desire. Uh, this roots loneliness in psychology and shows how loneliness is different to social isolation. Social isolation is not necessarily a negative experience. Loneliness is. Social isolation is a relative, relatively objective measure of the number of relationships someone has. Britain is in the grip of an epidemic, but not one that is caused by a virus, uh, unhealthy lifestyles or the foods that we eat. Instead, one of the biggest emerging threats is chronic loneliness, a feeling of overwhelming isolation coupled with a lack of meaningful relationships that now affects 3.83 million people in the UK, according to figures from the Office for National Statistics. Um, now, moving on to this story that has been listed in the Psychology Today, it says that in 1995, Baumeister and Leary, I assume they're researchers, uh, they wrote, uh, the need to belong is a powerful, fundamental, and extremely persuasive motivation for the social uh, beings we humans are. When we cannot connect with others, when we feel disconnected from other humans, we feel loneliness. Loneliness affects more than our emotional responses. It can and does affect our physical bodies. In a large meta-analysis that included more than 300,000 individuals, researchers reported that having social connections with others created a 50% greater likelihood of survival compared to lonely, disconnected individuals. Uh, researchers at the University of Michigan uh, conducted a poll comparing uh, reported loneliness in adults between 2018 and 2023. They found that as the COVID uh, pandemic began to necessitate social isolation, rates of loneliness increased, peaking in June 2020 when 56% of adults reported feeling lonely. As the pandemic eased and the socializing became possible again, rates began to decline to almost pre-pandemic levels. Um, however, social isolation is not the only cause of loneliness. It is possible to be surrounded by other people and yet still feel lonely uh, because making strong social connections depends on feeling understood by other people one of the root causes of loneliness is feeling misunderstood by others. Uh, so why would people feel misunderstood? So that's one of the questions posed by researchers Morelli, Tory, and Eisenberger uh, as uh, uh, stated by them in 2014. We did explore this uh, particular subject with Lena Mukherjee earlier, which uh, she spoke to us uh, yesterday. And, uh, well, this is what she had to say. We have the pleasure of uh, Lena Mukherjee on the line. Uh, Lena is a social activist in her professional roles as a British Association for Counselling and Psychotherapy uh, and uh, is a trauma therapist uh, with 25 years experience in private practice. Uh, she's also described as a psychoeducator, media commentator and storyteller who entertains and enriches learning. Thank you very much, Lena, for coming on to speak to us. Uh, for the benefit of our listeners, can you tell us about the BACP, British Association of Counselling and Psychotherapy, and what's your role in this organisation? 
of course. And thank you very much for inviting me to be part of your show. The BACP is a professional association for members of the counselling professions within the United Kingdom. And my role, uh, I am a senior accredited therapist. And as you said, I have 25 years experience. So that's one of my roles within BACP. I am a long-standing practitioner and someone who's well known in that field. But I'm also a media commentator because I'm a great believer in sharing good practice and ideas. That's where my psychoeducation comes in. Because to me, it's a real privilege to have learned this body of work. But actually, I believe it's, it's only fair to disseminate good ideas that help people make sense of their world, their mental health, to have a better functioning life. And so it doesn't just stay in my counselling room, but it goes out into the world. So that's what I see my role as being, is to help as many of people as possible. Excellent. Thank you. And how, how does the behaviour of someone who is lonely differ from others and when they're in a social gathering? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, lonely, loneliness really often stems from solitude and isolation. So someone who's suffering from a chronic illness, sensory impairment, um, can't socialise anymore. They, they, it impacts their capacity to have social skills, so they present as being withdrawn, um, not interested, perhaps sensitive to threat, that people ask lots of questions and they just go, <gasps> and there's a freeze element, that they're non-communicative. They could even appear really critical of themselves, feeling down on life, and just generally feeling low and mm. not very worthy. So, you know, what's the point in you asking me these questions? I'll ask you a lot of questions. So often that can happen. Well, it's very interesting when someone is experiencing loneliness, they'll often turn the conversation around to, to the other person who's asking them the question because they don't want to reveal the suffering. Mm. And, that's, and it's, and it's yeah. easier not to talk about yourself when you're lonely because you're feeling rubbish. To what, to what extent is this a perceptional issue? I mean, do mm. some people suffer loneliness even if they are surrounded by people? Oh, absolutely. Do you know, I remember Madonna saying this very early on in her career. I, I read it in her biography and she said, you know, here she is a big superstar. world knew her. You know, she'd, she'd reached that point and yet was desperately lonely in a room full of people because, you know, we... When you feel so disconnected, there's almost like you have an unbreakable bubble around you that you feel separated, disengaged, isolated, alienated, just struggling to engage because other people put you on a pedestal, you know, you're some authority figure. Um, so somehow you're not seen for who you are. And that can be incredibly lonely. And yes, we can be surrounded by loads of people, but we're not getting the depth of conversation it's all very superficial but actually someone's suffering they're not going to reveal it but can mm. you see me there's an invisibility that comes with loneliness why why, why 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 should people feel that way well there's all sorts of reasons valid i think because especially as i've been in practice a long time i've seen the the movement towards technology being a very very powerful way now of people communicating so we don't look at people's faces anymore. We look at phones. And mm. we've lost, we're losing, not lost, losing the ability to pick up on cues of sight, of movement of eye muscles, of, of voice, 
of human contact. Human, are, human beings are social creatures and we get the cues, our brain gets the, gets the cues through the nervous system of engagement through the non-verbals. But if we're mm. looking at a screen, it's not. We're not getting the same signals. We're not getting the auditory, the visual, the heart-to-heart connection. So there's a disconnect that's going on. So yes, we may be communicating by text, email, blah, blah. blah but it's cerebral. It's mm. it's 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 left brain. But social connection is right brain, and it's literally through our sensory system, our sensual system, that we connect. Hence the breakdown. We're not getting the stimuli that connects the heart-to-heart connection, and that's why. Hmm. What about the impact of loneliness? Um, uh, Is there a physical impact uh, just as well as an emotional impact? Absolutely, absolutely, because what happens is that with loneliness, it drives up what's known as our cortisol levels, and cortisol is a very, very powerful hormone that's released when we're stressed. And when Mm -hmm. you have loneliness and a disconnect, because at the end of the day, we connect with people on on a human, on a, sorry, on an animal level to feel safe. Because that's Mm -hmm. what we do. We're we're social creatures. We're we're mammals. And when we don't connect with people, we, our stress levels go up because we're feeling threatened. And this is all on the unconscious level. This is on the real base brain functioning level. And as as a consequence of a chronic cortisol release, it drives our high blood pressure up we gain weight we have problems concentrating because we're in a fight flight situation so our prefrontal cortex of the brain which is very different part of the brain to where we get we're operating from the fight and flight our thinking capacity diminishes and we can't make decisions so that makes us even more um stressed and feeling disconnected it causes inflammation of our Mm. bowel so we get digestive problems joint problems our anxiety goes up and it affects our heart Mm. so overall systemically absolutely loneliness affects us Uh, do you think that the the current trend uh, during uh, the pandemic uh, that uh, caught on with uh, people working from home more remotely uh, having meetings on teams and stuff like that do you think that's that's a backward step and that will affect us uh, subsequently if we uh, keep on uh, following this trend both emotionally and physically absolutely and i'm so glad you've asked that question and raised this because at the time again acute stressful situation which the pandemic was mm. and we were surrounded by uncertainty the human body and brain do not like uncertainty because we don't because we equate it to threat even if it's an exciting thing it's still a threat which is which is a danger signal to, to the body. So your answer to your question in terms of use of technology, it was fantastic as, a, as an interim, but what's happening is this movement um, towards more use of technology absolutely is interfering and affecting our, communica- our ability to communicate because it is encouraging us to be remote. Hmm. And remote is the antithesis of good human functioning. So yes, I do think it's causing... Um, precipitating experiences of loneliness and and causing our social muscles to diminish so our skills to interact picking up on the nuances uh intonations of people's actions we're losing that ability so mm. please don't don't rely on technology get out there and meet people again right. because even if going to the shops and talking to the people in the shop you start mm. to exercise those muscles mm-hmm. of of literally reading someone's face body language that's 
again stimulates those um, the nervous system that feeds the heart mm. that we're connecting. But it's not just text. Text is left brain. I'll keep going. And and screen work is very left brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> although, Something. although it's, you know, yeah. it, it is, and it's not real. It's virtual. Mm-hmm. Something you don't get from Amazon uh, when you. I know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, and, and we and we live in a three dimensional world. We need mm. to touch people literally to know that we're connecting. Yeah. Um, now, you're obviously a professional. Um, uh, not everyone is. Uh, in fact, the majority of us are not. If we find somebody who's suffering from loneliness, uh, what can can we do to help them? I think that's a lovely question, you know, so I'm so glad you've raised that. Well, succinctly, I've, I went onto the Samaritans website because they are, they've sussed it, they've got a really good um, formula here. So it's called shush. Mm-hmm. And, and the first is, number one, show your care. And that's when you're, if you're sussing out that someone is lonely, make time to listen to them. So actually say, you know, how are you? That, that simple question. And you'll know when someone's feeling a bit on edge. And this is where you start to practice your social skills and your sensitivity. And, and just literally give them your full attention so you don't try and make their world better or rescue them or give them a solution or say, oh, I know how you feel. No, you listen. You listen even if they don't share very much. You offer, you say, I've got two minutes, three minutes of time. I really want to listen to you. That's number one. Secondly, have patience because more often than not, someone who's experiencing loneliness will not open up. Hmm. If you keep keep dropping a phone message, not a text, Leave them a phone message saying, I care about you. I'm thinking about you. You know, Let me know when you're ready to talk. Fine. Mm. Because it's, it's a bit like defreezing a bag of peas. It takes time, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> we mm. apply mm. the warmth and then the melting starts to happen because actually someone who's lonely doesn't trust the world very easily. Mm. Learns to not trust. So if you keep drip feeding, but you're telling them, I'm there, I'm here, I'm reliable. And I'm, I'm, I want to know because I care about you. Eventually, something will change. And when they do, use, this is number three, use open questions. Tell me how you're feeling. Not, are you all right? Because that means a yes or no. That doesn't work. We want to open up conversation. So tell me how you're feeling. How are you? Or let me know a bit more about that. Mm. Invite exploration. Then, that, these all help. They really help. Okay. Now, how do you know if somebody is lonely? So you can have, mm. I suppose, uh, the telltale signs if somebody's isolated. Yes. You would know that they were lonely. But, you mm. know, the, the other uh, group of mm. people who are surrounded by others and are yes. still feel lonely, how would you know that they, what are the signs that will indicate that they are yes. lonely? Okay. As I said earlier, one of them is if you ask someone, how are you? Oh, I'm fine. How are you? It bounces back very quickly. Ah. That's number. That's a really good sign because uh-huh. that it's a bit like what we call a shadow strike. Vroomf. It's like you almost feel like, "Ooh, ouch! That was a bit sharp. Where's that come from?" Hmm. I've only just asked how you are, and and you said you, and I'm fine, is a very safe reply, but it it speaks a thousand words right. because it may be hiding the fact. So that's number one. Also, if there's an awkwardness of, why are you asking me? Hmm. So there's a defensive response. Hmm. Why are you asking me? Uh. What do you want to know? That's another sign. Or actually, they don't respond. So if you're sending a text or a message, you just simply don't get anything back. But when you're saying about it in the crowd, you'll see the withdrawal. So they're looking at the phone all the time. 
Mm. That's a class. So they've got their toy to distract. So distraction is another sign that okay. there's potential loneliness. Well, I'd love to talk to you for, more, uh, for longer, but uh, our time is up. Uh, it's been wonderful uh, speaking to you. Uh, you've been very informative, Lena. Uh, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your expertise with us. Uh, I wish you all the best in the work you're doing. Thank you very much. And thank you very much. Right, so that was uh, Lena Mukherjee, uh, a professional in this uh, field, uh, in the field of uh, psychotherapy and counselling. Uh, and uh, described as an educator, media commentator and storyteller who entertains and in which is learning. He was speaking to us yesterday on this particular topic. Uh, there is, of course, an Islamic angle to it, and uh, that's uh, the uh, uh, remit of uh, our resident imam, Tokith. And we're over to you, sir. Uh, thank you, Brother Valid. And a uh, very uh, important and potent question uh, on loneliness and you know how it can affect the brain function as well from research uh, you know what what the figures have shown and uh, it is very alarming you know the the figures you've read out that uh, which which shows that a feeling of overwhelming isolation coupled with a lack of meaningful relationships that now affect up to three point eight three million people in the UK according to the figures from the office for national statistics so it is something alarming and uh, definitely um, an issue here in the UK and uh, one one thing is that quite often we find is that a lot of majority of of the people that are lonely are feeling symptoms of loneliness um, are from the older population and uh, one one saying of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him uh, he highlights how taking care of your parents is an integral part of a a Muslim's faith and one of his companions the Holy Prophet peace be upon him he said was to him that unlucky is the person whose parents live to an old age and he falls to earn to earn paradise even then. So meaning of this narration is that the service of one's parents, particularly when they reach old age, it attracts the grace and favor of God. And therefore a person to whom is afforded the opportunity of serving uh, his aged parents and who avail himself of the opportunity to the full is is born to become confirmed in righteous ways and a recipient of God's grace. Um, and, you know, this is something which we are commanded um, as Muslims as well that, uh, you know, we should treat not only our parents but also our relatives. Our, we, we have a right uh, you know, living in the society um, and we, we should show kindness to to others around us as well and it, it mentions in the Holy Quran in chapter 17 verse 24 to 25 in the name of Allah the gracious the merciful that uh, thy Lord has commanded that worship none but him and show kindness to parents then if one of them or both of them attain old age with thee never say unto them any word expressive of disgust nor reproach them but always address them with excellent speech and lower to them the wing of humility out of tenderness and say my lord 
have mercy on them, even as thy nourished me when I was a child. And, you know, we find countless narrations of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well. When the companions would go to the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, they would ask the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, that, O Prophet, tell us a deed which, you know, we can attain righteousness of Allah the Almighty, or how can we, um, you know, tell us the best form of jihad. Uh, you know, how can we strive in the best possible way to attain the pleasure of Allah the Almighty? And simply, many times the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, would say that uh, look after your parents, go home and look after your mother. This is the most righteous deed for you. So, this shows that not only um, did the Prophet, he dealt with every individual in a different way, but looking after the parents. Uh, is a great deed and feeling lonely is a is a normal thing and this happens to everyone from time to time and these instances it is important to remember that you may feel lonely at this time but you are not alone it is important to combat this feeling head-on since a repetition of this feeling can lead to depression and anxiety and first Try to identify what is making you feel this way. Uh, there are many things you can do to boost your morale in order to combat this feeling. And if it is low, low self-esteem, start keeping a self-gratitude journal. And this keeps a record of all positive, rewarding and pleasant experiences. You can look back to every night to increase joy and positive self-talk on a daily basis as well as keeping company around you that is uh, sympathetic, encouraging and motivating. This can all help your overall mood. And with positive family and friends around you, these feelings of worthlessness or loneliness, they, they will diminish. And I remember we were speaking to one of the charity workers as well, um, and they were actually saying that there's actually phone lines where uh, you know, if you are feeling symptoms of loneliness or depression, you can you can call on these phone lines, and you know, there, there will be someone who would talk to you on a frequent basis, and just mm-hmm. just to check up on you. Um, so you know, th- there is these charities as well that offer these um, services, and a another thing which uh, you can do is. Uh, is you can focus on your on your on your namaz on your five daily prayers on remembering Allah the Almighty. As Muslims, you know we are prayed to pray five times a day, and as Allah the Almighty mentions in the Holy Quran that Allah be zikrullah that that truly it is the remembrance of heart. You know that hearts find comfort. So ultimately, just you know turn to God and uh, ask for His help in any time of difficulty as that is what we believe in that whenever uh, a believer is struck with any difficulty he should prostrate towards Allah the Almighty and Allah the Almighty ultimately will elevate the pain and suffering from the individual and when it comes to uh, loneliness as well um, His Holiness Azam Suramati explains Islam's concept of happiness versus grief and he explained that the gathering of people together and social interaction with others is what brings happiness and the contrast is that grief and sorrow are intensified when a person prefers 
solitude and isolation. And when a person stays away from other people for longer periods, it eventually can lead to depression. However, by sitting in the company of their friends and expressing their grief, their feelings of grief or depression can be reduced. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that we should turn to Allah the Almighty and we should beseech uh, His help and support from Him. Islam also guides us to increasingly participate in social activity after such events. And those who are suffering from depression are also told by psychiatrists to go and socialize with others, to get some fresh air and exercise and to meet people instead of being isolated. And that is why, uh, you know, we were talking about earlier as well that uh, within the community there's always events happening throughout the year um, you know there's there's various annual gatherings happening even in local um, in, in, in your local area as well within the community there's gatherings happening the league events charity walks you know you name it there's, there's always an activity uh, which is happening and this is a great way to bond with our individuals as well we just had our annual convention as well and uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association it plays a huge part in uh, uh, not not only the Ahmadiyya Muslim Youth Association but all the auxiliary organizations they play a huge part in setting up and everyone gets together you know new teams are made you make new friendship and uh, you know in Islam so it is encouraged that we all get together as well for a pure and uh, genuine purpose as well and this is also a great w- way to combat loneliness which we are facing in in this time unfortunately and you know with that we we will close this uh, particular segment and uh, you know we hope and we pray that all everyone who is suffering from loneliness or they are f- feeling these symptoms may Allah the almighty elevate uh, the these uh, symptoms from them so with that uh, we're just going to be going into a eight o'clock news and we'll be back shortly after that so don't go anywhere um, uh, very important topic we'll be discussing so don't go anywhere peace be upon you good morning welcome back to the uh, breakfast show of the voice of islam with our mom toki tanveer and myself will leave them at the time has just gone uh, past uh, two minutes past eight. Uh, it's Friday, the 11th of August, 2023. Uh, we were talking about loneliness uh, in the previous part of the program before the uh, eight o'clock news uh, and mentioning the fact uh, or referring to the fact that uh, there are uh, within the teachings of Islam various means uh, that have been employed to try and prevent loneliness. A lot of activities well, centering on the most five daily prayers. If people come to the five daily prayers, one of the uh, benefits that they can draw from that is to meet other people and interact. And uh, that kind of interaction is also very much encouraged at uh, our annual gatherings, one of the purposes of which was uh, in, uh, announced by the founder of the Amdhamis community was to actually renew uh, and and uh, reaffirm uh, uh, a sense of brotherhood and fraternity. And then we also have other um, uh, instructions or other teachings in Islam which uh, encourage us to uh, look after those who might be lonely, people perhaps who are sick. Visiting the sick is something that is considered to be a very mer- meritorious act, looking after uh, the elderly, as Imam Toki uh, uh, pointed out, especially your parents, uh, is also 
as something that would ward any uh, ward off any possibility of of loneliness. So that was something that we discussed uh, before the eight o'clock news. We now come to the second of our main topics, and it's regarding honeybees. Uh, and uh, this particular uh, item that has been gleaned from uh, the website of Sheffield, uh, I assume that it's a university, because uh, it's uh, www.sheffield.ac.uk. So uh, it's uh, actually recorded something about uh, honeybees, and uh, it's uh, mentioning the fact that new research um, it has revealed how honeybees can make fast and accurate decisions, uh, which could help to design more efficient robots and autonomous machines. Uh, so this is something that has been published by scientists at the University of Sheffield. And the study was led by uh, Dr. Hadi Mabudi from the University's Department of Computer Science uh, with uh, Professor Andrew Barron from uh, Macquarie University in Sydney. Uh, and they've un- uncovered the complex strategies that honeybees uh, use to decide which flowers are worth exploring. Uh, despite this complexity, the research has revealed how the insects make rapid decisions about where to forage for nectar. Their decisions are highly accurate, more so than humans, despite the honeybee brain being the same size as a sesame seed. Published in the journal eLife, the study has enhanced our understanding of how the honeybee brain works and has evolved, and the Sheffield scientists say it is inspiring a new generation of robots and autonomous machines that can think like a bee, capable of of making fast, accurate, and efficient decisions autonomously. In the study, the researchers trained 20 bees to recognize five different colored artificial flowers. Blue flowers always contain sugar syrup, Green flowers always contain tonic water with a bitter taste that bees dislike, and the remaining colors sometimes had glucose. The team then introduced the bees to a custom-designed garden where the flowers only had distilled water to test their performance in different scenarios. The researchers uh, filmed each bee, then tracked their path, and timed how long it took them to make a decision on which flower to visit. Results showed that if the bees were confident that a flower would have food, they quickly decided to land on it. Uh, and uh, an average, uh, in uh, on average in 0.2 or uh, 0.6 seconds, if they're confident that a flower would not have food, they made a decision just as quickly. The scientists then built a computer model aiming to replicate the bees' decision-making process. Upon review, they found the structure of the, uh, of the computer model looked very similar to the physical layout of a honey bee brain. Fascinating. Uh, we'll have our own uh, Abdul Hadi, uh, our uh, Imam Abdul Hadi Masood, later on uh, on, the, on the phone to discuss the Islamic perspective. Uh, on all this, uh, but this is uh, something that's uh, very interesting research. Absolutely, and you know, uh, whenever we're covering this subject, uh, th- there's so much to say. Um, 
even in terms of from an islamic perspective our listeners will uh, hear as well that uh, you know there, there's so much um, there's so much material on this um, you'll find and honeybees or or honey and generally they, there is a strong link uh which we find in the holy quran um regarding honey as well as referring to honey uh the holy quran says that shifa wal nas that this is actually a a cure for for the whole of mankind um and you know honey itself is is a something it was is like a su- sweetener right it's, it's quite sweet mm. but uh you know that that is not said regarding sugar or anything else is specifically said regarding honey that this is shifaul nas and uh, you will hear from uh, various experts as well uh, who will uh, be coming on today that you know how this prophecy of allah the almighty has been fulfilled as well i was reading um a friday sermon of uh, khalifa rabid the fourth caliph of the amdi muslim community azam az tahir ahmed uh, may allah the almighty have mercy on him and uh, he one of his friday sermon he spoke extensively on honey as well um this was the friday sermon which he delivered on the 31st of march 2000 and just some of his research um is very fascinating um he he explained uh, some of the points regarding discoveries of recent discoveries of scientists in this field as well so i just wanted to uh for the benefit of our listeners go through some of uh this these findings as well and and as olinas he explained that in europe the first ever uh, written record about honey is found in a painting in a cave near the city of biscop or Ven- valencia province of spain in which a man is shown collecting honey from a beehive according to the expert this painting is uh, 7000 bc and also there was a time when in egypt and syria in syria and iraq honey was used for mummification of bodies a muslim writer abdul latif he writes about the case of a child uh, whose body was preserved in a big jar of honey and he was quite safe as he was as he was although he was mummified years ago um and also on the subject of honey and wounds uh mr mj amro of christian medical center of kilimanjaro in tanzania who is an expert on the de- on the diseases of women has explained his experiment in the issue of a magazine the tropical doctor of April uh, 1980 that a 25 year old patient had uh, deep bed sores that is to say that the patient who who stay in bed on the same side for a long time they suffer from bed sores and it's a treatment this treatment is very difficult and sometimes the patients they die from bed, sto- bed sores instead of the original disease and he said that during his 25 years experience a girl was brought to him who had a deep internal disease and she also had bed sores so he first used honey on her for the treatment of bed sores and he thought that he would get cured with it but before her surgery when he did again a complete checkup to his surprise he found 
that her bed sores got cured and original disease also disappeared and vanished completely and uh, just finally one more uh, research from from this as well that uh, it says that there is there is a sydney uh, faber cancer institute um, and his holiness said that i'm going to tell you some of its experiments they say that it was a strange to note that the cancer ratio of people who keep honeybees is very little as compared to others and a survey was done on 580 beekeepers who died between 1950 to 1978 and the number of deaths due to cancer among them was so little that there were almost none and that is to say that it was so low that it is not even worth mentioning and uh, this is from honey and health by lori croft um so you know from these findings uh, it further proves and testifies to the truthfulness of the holy quran as well as the holy quran mentioned that shifaul uh, nas that there are many uh, cures within this um and you know there's something uh, which i wanted to highlight here uh, brother willie do, do you remember when when the sermon had taken place uh, in in 2000 So I don't know I don't particularly remember that that sermon but I do remember other um um other uh, whether it was a sermon or not that's why I'm hesitating there are the statements and explanations by his holiness uh the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community about uh, the bee and honey and about um how distinct the honey bee is from other flies mm-hmm. uh, so that uh, particular explanation was something that I particularly remembered uh, because uh, the honey bee is also being referred to in the holy quran, uh, quran as an insect on which wahi mm. descends so wahi how would you describe wahi is it revelation or Re- is it revelation. inspiration and uh, that um, and that makes it uh, distinctive from other flies and uh, uh, and from what i remember and this is uh, uh, an old man's memory that i'm trying to uh, bring to the bring to the fore what i remember is that he he made an analogy between um, the distinctive and superior features of a honeybee compared to other flies and uh, people who receive revelation and ordinary people mm. that uh, they they are uh, they are elevated as a result of what they are able to receive in terms of he inspiration revelation from from god almighty so that was uh, that was something one of the fascinating uh, uh, discourses that i remember uh, regarding the the honeybee that uh, his oneness uh, mentioned but there, of course there are many there are many um, uh characteristics and features of the honey bee and uh, the the honey that uh, is removed is used uh, we know honey is used um, for um, injuries mm. and it's also something that um, is considered to be a better sweetener than sugar because it doesn't have 
from what I remember. Again, I'm, uh, I don't know whether we'll be, have, we'll be getting to see Khan or... Uh, uh, so we, we are joined now by Imam Abdul Hadi, uh-huh. uh, who is a missionary of the MD Muslim community. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, Asalaamu Alaikum, thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for having me. You're, so you're, you're posted in uh, which part is it? Uh, I forgot the name again of the place. It's Keithley. Keithley is uh, next to Bradford in the north. Oh, okay. It used to be called Kigley. Okay. Right? <laughs> but, uh, no, no, it's written Kigley, but uh, it's uh, pronounced Keithley. Okay, all right. And we have a, we have a, a center there for... Um, uh, distributing food for um, uh, a food bank, isn't it? Merrifields, Merrifields, isn't it in Kigley? Oh, Keithley, sorry. Keithley, yes, yes. Okay. Humanity First, right? This is run by Humanity First, is it? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry for that, that's just extra information <laughs> 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 for the listeners. So, uh, Adi, we're discussing the subject of honey and it's very interesting. Um, and um, our first question to you is that where is honey mentioned in the Holy Quran? If you can please explain. Um, so, honey uh, is mentioned in the Holy Quran uh, in chapter 16. Uh, and it's actually called the chapter of the bee, Surah Nahal. Um, so that kind of shows the importance of uh, bee and uh, honey um, in the Holy Quran as well, that the chapter is called uh, the chapter of the bee. Uh, but it comes under, you know, you were just talking about revelation. And uh, so it, it, the context of where the is mentioned and honey is mentioned uh, it's actually in the context of revelation and God Almighty is describing um, the importance of revelation um, and it gives the example of B so that's the kind of uh, context of where the B is mentioned B and honey is mentioned in the Holy Quran absolutely and then we're, when we're discussing uh, some of the characteristics and virtues of honey as well in, in the Holy Quran, like for example, it mentions that uh, in, in the Holy Quran that Yahruju Mimbutuniha, that it comes forth from its bellies and it explains that, uh, you know, each, each uh, like there's so many different variety of honey uh, that, you know, and each particular one which have different characteristics so if you can please uh, elaborate more on this as well from the Holy Quran um, so but I'm going to um, I'm sure you guys are going to focus on the physical aspect of it as well but I, wa- I want more to focus on the spiritual aspect because what we need to remember when we read the Holy Quran is that it's not a book of science not a book of any uh, of the worldly sciences, uh, but it gives the examples of uh, sometimes science and you know sometimes talk talk about history. Uh, but the purpose behind it mainly to give a spiritual message. What we know, you know, briefly about honey is that it has different colors, uh, right? There's, there's different types of honey, um, and uh, you know it can be used. Uh, 
cure, for example, the Holy Quran says that it's a cure for mankind. And we know that um, honey is used to cure people as well. Um, but the message behind uh, that uh, in the verse in the Holy Quran is it's more of a symbolic one as well. Because it compares honey with revelation. Uh, you know, it says that um, just like just like honey is something very pure, it says that it doesn't even expire. Just like that, the revelation of God, uh, God Almighty, is very pure. You know, a person can think of many things, but a person's uh, thoughts are not something which is everlasting. You know, every decade, uh, you know, the scientists realize how stupid they were 10 years ago, right? Like they're always changing their science and they're always coming up with new things. Something unique with uh, revelation is that it's it's everlasting. It doesn't expire. Uh, the thing with different colors, uh, that's symbolic one as well. Uh, if you look at it from a spiritual point of view, of course it has that physical aspect of it as well. But honey has many different there many different types of honey. It has different properties uh, but uh, if you look at it from the spiritual point of view revelation symbolic meaning of honey has many different colors as well you look at it from uh, uh, history that there has been many prophets throughout the world uh, and there has been many different types of revelations according to where the prophet was according to the people's need um, so that's the meaning of different uh, colors. Um, honey in the Holy Quran has also been described as cure for mankind, as you just mentioned. Uh, and what is interesting that in the Holy Quran, sa, which means cure, has only been used for two things. Um, one is uh, honey, as we mentioned. The second is the Holy Quran, which is the revelation of God. So, you know, there are these different points that you can see, uh, look at, uh, that honey has a very symbolic meaning as well. It represents revelation uh, in, in this way. Uh, so while it has, you know, the, the, there there is different colors and it is a cure for, you know, physical cure as well in honey, um, it shows a spiritual cure, which is the Holy Quran as well. Great, thank you so much for that. And I think one final question from my side, uh, Imam Abdullahi, and then I'll pass the mic on to Brother Valid, is that what does the bee symbolize in Islam, if you can also explain? So I'll just explain what honey symbolizes. But uh, So bees symbolizes um, human beings uh, in, in the Holy Quran. Um, and uh, the system that they work under, you know, it's a very complex system and the way they work together. And there are many parables to take from uh, sim uh, symbolic meaning as well. For example, if you look at bees uh, in their hives, they have only one leader. And they work under that one leader, which is the queen bee. Um, the interesting thing is that, you know, they work under it, and if there is an 
not that which stands up become a queen there is you know the whole system it just shakes the whole system um, and either there has to be one queen or there has to be you know that the that leader has to go to another hive and you know make its own hive and make uh, the whole organization itself that shows the importance of having one leader and you know the amdia community is fortunate it has one leader um but there are many other symbolic meanings as well for example if you look at the verse of the holy quran god almighty says that bees were told to make their hives in the mountains buildings trees in different places um, and it's the same thing with the human beings as well that highlights the point that there are many different types of human beings different needs um So yeah these these are the symbolic meanings uh, if you look at the verse of the holy quran about the bees. Well, thank you very much uh, Imam uh, Abdul Hadi. Um uh, you you really detailed some very uh, very uh, interesting responses very in-depth responses fascinating and very absorbing thank you for that. Um no, but you've um, essentially focused on what uh is in the holy quran what about uh, how the holy prophet peace be upon him has explained uh the use of honey and uh, the bees in general what uh, can we find from from him so uh, you know i just uh, made a connection uh, or i didn't make uh, you know i'm just describing what's written in the holy quran Uh, you know the connection between honey and the Quran mm-hmm. and what we can see from the uh, things of the Holy Prophet that the Holy Prophet has also made that connection the Holy Prophet uh, is reported to have said that use of two cures honey and the Quran the Holy Prophet has also uh, made that connection but also the Prophet has seen this verse as it is as well and you know focused and he focused on the physical cure of honey as well and we can find many examples in the sayings of the holy prophet that he focused on that whenever there was a problem uh, you know physical pain or illness the holy prophet will focus on the cure uh, which is described in the holy quran which is honey mm-hmm. we have a very interesting uh, incident that um, you know once uh, a companion of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he came to uh, the holy prophet and he said that my brother is having stomach pain um, so the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam told him that um, give him uh, some honey to drink when he gives him some honey he came back and he said that the illness had gotten worse and the holy prophet sallam again said give him some honey to drink when can did the same and then he came back and said that the illness has gotten even worse the holy prophet sallam is reported to have responded god has spoken the truth your brother's belly is lying that's how got, the holy prophet sallam knew 100% what is written in the holy quran that's the truth Mm. It, God Almighty has said that the honey is the cure. Uh, 
So the you know the Holy Prophet system instructed him again to go back and uh, give him some honey, and he did that, and he was he was cured. So you know we we can see how much the Holy Prophet also emphasized on the physical cure of the honey of his uh, this aspect of, uh, honey as well. No, thank you very much. Um, um, do you think that uh, uh, um, there isn't? Do you think that there is? Uh, there isn't. Well, what I was going to say is that there isn't much um, a popularity for honey. Do you think that's going to? Uh, it's going to gain popularity in the future. Mm, so, I was actually reading uh, something interesting and uh, came across that um, honey was. You know, in the olden times, it, it was quite a popular thing used uh, as, uh, you know, uh, the focus on its properties as a cure. Mm. It was something which was very popular back, you know, uh, in the olden days. Um, and even in World War, you know, it was used as something, you know, the uh, soldiers would use it on their wounds uh, and... Uh, you know, after that, it kind of lost its popularity, and people started focusing on other things. But very recently, you know, people are focusing on it. Uh, you know, it, it are realizing again that honey, something which you know we should look into and study um, because of its uh, as as a cure. Mm. Anyway, we'll see, yes, uh, let's hope it becomes more popular because it's uh, so beneficial. Um, anyway, thanks very much for talking to us, Imam Abdul Hadi Masood, uh, all the way from Keesley, not Kigli, Keesley. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, well, it's over to you, Imam Tabi. What, what, what more can we add to this? You know, I was, uh, I was reading, and uh, to my astonishment, mm-hmm. um, even the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, he was very fond of this subject of uh, honey as well and the properties of it, as is mentioned in the Holy Quran as well. And there's a very famous narration that the promised Messiah, peace be upon him, the founder of the Amdi Muslim community, he was very fond of doing experiments. And since honey is mentioned in the Holy Quran, he made an interesting experiment which uh, no scientist had ever thought of that once he put an egg in honey to see what happens and he says that the white uh, the white of the egg it became very hard like stone that is to say that so hard that even after hitting it um, very hard uh, with something it would not break but inside the yolk was just the same uh, so you know the these properties of honey um, you know, we, we, we cannot understand them and, the, you know, it just goes to show you that there's so much research within this uh, particular field which, you know, which needs to be made mm. for for that, um, you know, and, uh, you know, we will try to get our next guest on as well, Tosif Khan. Uh, but I, I wanted to just go through, um, you know, Imam Hadi did mention some of the sayings of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him as well. Uh, I just wanted to carry on from that as well. Um, for example, in one narration of the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, it explains that uh, honey, um, 
you know it is uh, it is a very pure thing and uh, not only that but it also provides pure thing to others as well and uh, the holy prophet peace be upon him he linked the the example of this honey to a believer as well and there is a narration in musnad ahmed bin hanbal that hazrat abdullah bin Amr, Amr bin al-As, he relates that he had heard the Holy Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah, the Almighty be upon him, saying that, I swear by the being in whose hand is the life of Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, that surely the example of a believer is like that of a bee. It only eats pure things and indeed it provides a pure thing as well. So, not only um, it's is the it, what it eats is pure, but what it gives to the society is also pure. And this is the example of a believer as well that he eats what is pure, um, he consumes what is pure, and then what he gives to the society is pure as well. This is an example for 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 the believer as well that a, a believer. Um, you know, at another place, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, he said that a believer is him whose, you know, his hand, his tongue, all others are safe as well. So people benefit from that as well. So here, the Prophet, he linked the example of honey to a believer. And, uh, you know, uh, Hadi did explain the example of a person who was suffering from diarrhea as well. Uh, they had taken honey and they got cured, but the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, used it for himself as well. Um, and not just honey, He, in this narration, there is a mention of honey, uh, water, and also olive oil, and he mixed it together uh, to, to cure himself. So it is narrated. Um, this is in uh, Nakash, uh, reported uh, having saying about Abhi Varja that he would use honey in his eyes as a colorium and there is no mention regarding Abhi Vajra as to whether he was a companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him but after this there is another narration from a companion of the Holy Prophet peace be upon him which was narrated by Of bin Malik uh, and that the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, when he got sick, he said to him that bring some water because Allah the Almighty says that that bring water, water was brought and then he said that bring honey because Allah says in the Holy Quran that that there is a cure in it for people and then he said that bring olive oil because it is the extraction from a blessed tree and then he mixed the water honey and olive oil then he drank it and it so happened that he got completely cured of the disease of which he used and uh, you know I, I did mention earlier as well uh, some of the scientific research with regards to honey as well how it's cured cancer how it's um, you know for various other diseases as well uh, there, there's a very interesting um uh, incident of which the fourth caliph he writes about honey as well and how he used it to cure someone uh, who was suffering from a wound on his nose and uh, it was a very bad wound he explains that uh, fresh blood was coming from it but he says that after the after the use of this medicine uh, the person was completely cured so the narration is that 
uh, the, the fourth caliph he explains that from his uh, elder brother Zimza Nasir Ahmed, who was also the third caliph of the Amdi Muslim community uh, may Allah the Almighty have mercy on him he was very fond of honey he says that of honey research and he says that my attention towards its research is the result of the training and attention that I had received that that I was fortunate to have received and he says that may Allah reward him and he further says that he told me about a lot of curative properties in the propolis I used it once um, during my stay in the office of Vakfaji so propolis this is one of the um, one of the substances of honey as well and and uh, he explains that I experimented on a patient and he says that he used to come always um, and he would cover his nose with a piece of cloth and I asked him why he used, used to cover his nose with the cloth then he took off the covering and showed me his nose to my astonishment it was such a horrible wound that I cannot express in, in my words the fresh blood would be seen in the nose. As as I have said, it was terrifying. And he said that this was the reason. And he said that I started using homeopathic medicine on on it, but they, they were useless. Then I thought of propolis, which I had obtained from the third caliph, and I told him to apply to it, to the wound of his nose. And he came after a few days, and his covering of his nose was absent, and nothing of the disease was left. So Shifa'ul nas is not only in honey but also in its adjoining materials. And uh, in, in 1960 a report was published by a Russian scientist that they have used honey for eczema and they made special compounds of honey and experimented and said that eczemas which did not get healed with any other medicine, they were healed with the compounds of honey and the propolis, which uh, which was mentioned earlier, this is a this chemically very ordinary thing, and it is hard to believe that it would have such a great and curative matter in it. And uh, there is also a very famous um, incident of the first caliph on this as well. Hazrat Mulvi Nuruddin, may Allah the Almighty have uh, be pleased with him. He used to tell a very interesting uh, narration that in the Holy Quran it, regarding honey, it says "Mukhtalifun alwanuhu" that it's it it has different colors, and uh, the Arabs they have found he. The Khalifa, the fourth caliph mentions that, that the Arabs have found 400 kinds of honey and because it, it has 400 different names in Arabic and this is amazing and not just a chance and <laughs> glory to Allah the Almighty that the Arabs had discovered 400 different kinds of honey and in Arabic uh, language there are 400 names of honey which indicate that there are 400 different kinds so it just goes to show you each uh, of this four different types of honey. You know they would have a different characteristic. They would look different as well, and that would mean that they would have different properties to it as well. So um, that was just the Arabs. I'm I'm sure there's you know more different types of honey than that, but uh, that's that's one quote from the first caliph. Also. Uh, 
there, there is also another incident uh, which the fourth caliph mentions once that he once talked before about the connection of bees with khilafat and he said that that is to obey an order to order to obey a central figure and the whole system is connected with it and this is found in the honey bee that the whole colony 80000 or more than that are obeying, obeying one commandment and a honey bee cannot live alone a hive is essential for it therefore a believer is also connected with this divine system to become one single body and he will have no standing and he can never remain alive alone spiritually and that is a beautiful um you know how the, the fourth caliph has linked it so the example of that which we find within the honey bee is this huge colony of 80000 or even more than that they follow one queen bee whatever the queen bee does the the bees will then follow along as well and uh, this is what we see in 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 uh, within the amdi muslim community as well when we see khilafat uh, within a command of of the of the of the caliph of the time the community then acts on it immediately and uh, you know they they immediately take action on it it actually reminds me of a narration of the holy prophet peace be upon him where he says that uh, the community the ummah is like one body and if one body is fe- you know one limb is feeling pain then the whole body itself will then suffer from it so similarly within the example of bees as well there you know we can link it to khilafat as well in that sense um also um the holy prophet peace be upon him he also advised muslim to use honey as a cure when when he said that make use of two cures honey and the holy quran um and uh, also uh, in one of his friday sermons of his holiness azamzam surah ahmad may allah strengthen his hand which he delivered on the 19th of december 2008 titled the divine attribute of shifa of shifa the healer and he mentioned the verse of the holy quran from chapter 16 verse 70 uh, which uh, which was uh, read out by which was mentioned by hadi as well so the verse is uh, in the name of allah the gracious the merciful that god has provided cure for every illness and many herbs and insects contain such cures Uh, and what's an, one example is that of a honey bee and to describe the medical properties of honey the quran has the quran has used the term that shifaul nas there is a cure in it sorry this so this is the part of part of the quran the shifaul nas that there is a cure in it which is mentioned in 16 verse 70 and research on honey has he said he says that research on honey has provided many benefits to the world and these days however the honey bee is being affected by a certain disease causing germ um which is causing the widespread death and researchers are connect- concerned that if they cannot find a cure soon honey bees may become extinct worldwide or in certain parts of the world or in a matter of few years and as holiness Hazimazam Suram and Hawa provided his insight into this matter, saying that since honey has been mentioned in the Holy Quran, which is a book of all times, 
it will never perish however it may perish from a certain areas as a form of punishment since the system of revelation is also linked to the honeybee god will certainly make it a sign for those who believe in his unity um brother Lee, have you um bought yourself some honey as well from the humanity first uh, department i know they they did say that uh, there was some hives there they had uh, put in uh, the hadikatul mahdi uh, where our jalsa site and they were extracting some honey from there i i don't remember seeing them this year but last year they did sell some honey from there as well right i this is news to me i did not know that uh, humanity first were also venturing in this uh, in this field as well uh, but if there is uh, something available then uh, i'll certainly certainly try and procure it um and it's very interesting what uh, what has been mentioned so far about honey about its curative properties and uh, um particularly i mean i was uh, very uh, interested in what abdul hadim sooth was able to mm, say mm. Uh, and uh, to link honey uh, with the revelation and the analogy that is being provided in the holy quran and i think also it goes to show that as far as the holy quran is concerned that um, it it is something that is um, each verse is very very profound and can be understood at different levels uh, and uh, when you go on to uh, deeper levels then you find uh, new gems or new truths that uh, you weren't able to discern earlier so that that's been very interesting and the other thing also is um, the uh, nature of honey in its uh, curative uh, capacities it's not only internally but it's also uh, on the surface uh, of uh, uh, illnesses that it can help um, eczema was mentioned uh, wounds were mentioned uh, so uh, not just uh, curing what that this was uh, telling us uh, stomach problems by ingesting uh, uh, honey but also by using it as some kind of a, a covering some kind of a balm an ointment on the surface so it has a wide variety of uses um, and it just goes to show uh, how true the quran is when it talks about uh, um, honey being uh, um a source of cure uh for for people for mankind so it's and again what uh, abdul hadi was able to explain is not just only physical cures it's also spiritual cures mm, mm. so that's uh, that's fascinating uh and uh, it's also interesting to know that um with increasing research uh that um, the academic community uh the wider academic community is also uh now coming closer to accepting a lot of what the quran is uh, saying regarding honey and that's very interesting well, that's very interesting i wish we had uh, uh, tosif han with us because he's one of the experts he, he and, is uh, one of the experts on and uh, it would have been wonderful to have been able to talk to him but i think for some reason uh, we haven't been able to get through i i think once uh, he did come to jamia amdia mm-hmm. uk as well to give a lecture and i think i if i'm not mistaken he mentioned one point that there is actually a hospital which uh, cures which looks at curing all ailments 
um, to all the patients they have through honey. Really? Yeah. Uh-huh. Where where is it? Is it in uh, in Canada? I think I think he he was mentioning it is near Russia or somewhere oh, there. So okay, um, not Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm not too sure about that. Uh-huh. We'll we'll have to get uh, Tosif Khan on yes. <laughs> to further elaborate mm-hmm. on that. But uh, he's done. Uh, I mean, he's done some fascinating research, and uh, also he's uh, he's very very uh, knowledgeable, and uh, has examined uh, honey in great detail, providing um, uh, information about the constituent parts mm. of honey. Mm. the kind of sugars that exist and, uh, and there's certain uh, certain elements that he says that or certain uh, groups of compounds that are not uh, that are uh, in minute uh, amount but cannot be actually identified um, so it's a fascinating set of studies that he has uh, he has accomplished yeah and to be honest i think the honey we do get from supermarkets as well is very hard to sometimes get full 100% pure honey mm. as well because they do there's so many other things mixed in there as well it is diluted and mm. to a certain degree that you don't get it uh, in in its pristine and pure form yes that's very true and uh, there are certain syrups that are masqueraded as as honey because they are cheaper so that we have to be very careful when we are purchasing honey as to uh, whether we are getting the uh, real uh, real uh, product or not and uh, that is something that uh, we need to be wary of i know that that was mentioned uh, in one of our early prog- programs as well right i think that that's it from my side so we can uh, conclude conclude the show we can conclude call it a day hmm? nothing else to speak about Mm, nothing to discuss are you going to be uh, now glued to your tv screens for the football that is coming up <laughs> yeah, the premier is starting i think tomorrow isn't it with the match between burnley and manchester city mm. Mm. yeah <laughs> or are you looking forward to your istama to your gathering at uh, uh, the academic the academic side has it all been have you all de- have we decided what the topics are going to be and uh, uh, yes yeah, so and who the judges are uh, so we can speak to them before <laughs> <laughs> so mm. we 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 have the theme um for this year for the uh national ishtama and uh, this is salad the delight of our eyes uh-huh. um so it oh, will be it will be on this theme you know uh which which the ishtama would be so mm. uh you know we'll, we'll get more on that so the the people who take part in competitions can anyone take part in these academic competitions or absolutely the 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 is it open it, this is open to any any of the participants you know if they are of the age then uh, they they can uh, they can all take part in this so um, you don't have to be a winner at the regional or local level to participate as a as so, a national so what we're doing this year is that uh, if you if you have uh, you know gained a, posi- a position on the local and regional level um then uh, you know we you will be uh, you know we will get in contact with you and tell you to definitely participate but it won't be limited to those individuals alone and the floor is open to all of the oh. all of the uh, brothers if they do wish to take part then 
they are more than welcome oh that's very good i think that's 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 a good move i think to have it open uh but anyway that's my personal personal view uh i'm sure the organizers know better right um so as uh, imam toki has indicated uh, we should uh, bring this uh, program to a close it means that we need to remember uh once again those who have contributed uh, to the uh, broadcast uh, in particular our producer uh, nergis nasa she's deserving of her thanks uh, and so are uh, her researchers neha latif uh, basma amber latif aman mir yusra khan and maha iftikhar uh, so they're all deserving of her gratitude so thank you to them uh do remember our listeners i request uh, uh do remember them in your prayers and of course we should not forget our uh, uh, engineer in the control room who made sure that technically everything went smoothly that's uh, mr akib ahmed nan so thank you to him uh for his contribution in this show and uh, also uh, we shouldn't forget uh, the uh, specialists the uh, contributors that came on and lent their expertise uh, to us in understanding some of the ramifications some of the um, aspects of the subjects that we were discussing and we discussed how loneliness can affect brain function and in that respect it was Lena Mukaji uh, who came on uh, and spoke to us and uh, enlightened us on uh, certain aspects of this particular uh, subject uh, she is uh, uh, she works for the british association for counseling and psychotherapy and uh, as mentioned before has been described as a psychoeducator media commentator and storyteller who entertains and enriches learning uh, well a fascinating description of what she does Uh, and then in the second uh, of uh, part of uh, our show we looked at the subject of honeybees something that we picked up from one of the websites uh, at Sheffield University in fact you want to be do you know i study at Sheffield University at the moment i'm studying library science i know you don't think much of library science but that's something i'm studying at uh, university of sheffield it's supposed to be quite a prestigious <laughs> university i'm quite surprised they they, they took me in <laughs> i'm more i'm But, more boggled at the fact that i don't really know what library science is oh there's there's a lot to it um, I'll, i'll tell you one thing i'm finding it very very difficult uh, but uh, anyway but it's just, it's a university that i'm i'm stu- currently studying at mm. so this particular university uh, then also has conducted uh, its researchers have conducted research on honeybees and they've said that honeybees make rapid accurate decisions and could inspire future of uh, a ice uh, uh, as far as uh, they're concerned so Uh, we'll see how that story develops but uh, we were uh, assisted in understanding more about bees and honey uh, with uh, the um, contribution from Abdul Hadi Masood a missionary and uh, he from what i found uh, gave a very very absorbing uh, discourse on 
various aspects of this, uh, what the Holy Quran mentioned there, what the uh, founder of Islam, the Holy Prophet, peace be upon him, has stated regarding honey and the honeybee, uh, a very fascinating discussion I felt uh, we had. So thank you to him as well. Um, so it just leaves us now to just thank uh, our listeners who joined us. Uh, do join us again uh, from Monday to Friday when we are when we return with the breakfast show. Uh, um, Imam Tokir and myself will be returning on Friday, but other presenters will be coming in on Monday to Thursday to uh, provide the uh, breakfast show on The Voice of Islam. So do make a point of joining us then from 7 to 9 o'clock. So until uh, then, Islam alaikum from myself, Hermie Imam Tokir. And here's a short interlude before the 9 o'clock news.